welcome to the Nola Row Experience Podcast. Raw, honest, relatable experiences that help us grow. Are you subscribed? If not, what are you waiting for? Go! And please, leave a review and help us grow while you're at it. Thank you. On today's episode of the Nola Row Experience Podcast, psychotherapist and life coach Nadaria John is here with me, and she's going to be answering a lot of your questions. Well, I shouldn't say a lot, because y'all didn't really submit a whole lot of questions, but the ones that I did get, we're going to be tackling those, unpacking a lot of things in our Ask a Therapist segment, the SOA Q&A, and of course, today's Happy Habit. excited you're here. I am excited to be here and I'm happy that you decided to invite me. Listen, so let me tell my tribe a little bit of background on, you know what? As a matter of fact, I always do this. I always talk about how I meet people. I'm curious to know what our meeting was like from your perspective. So how did we meet and what was that experience like from your angle? So we met uh, at the Women's History Celebration where I was receiving a citation from Assemblywoman Monique Chamber-Waterman. Yeah, which is a good thing. Which is a beautiful thing. I was really (laughs) proud and honored to get that award. And um, Ms. Waterman shared a little bit of my story as she was giving me the award. And um, you came to me after and said that um, you really appreciated hearing my story Mm -hmm. and that you wanted to um, have me on your podcast and learn a little bit more about me. And I was excited about that, so. Listen, I'm one of those people who, my mom would tell you, my mom would be like, don't tell Nola your grandmother died because she's gonna take it. (laughs) I heard your story and you, you, well, it wasn't even a full story. It was very brief, right? Mm -hmm. But it's the intention and the energy behind it. You were so emotional. And I was sitting there getting emotional with you. I was like, oh, that's so deep. I have to talk to her because the energy, it was authentic, it was deep, it was real. And that's my type of, I love that type of energy, especially when it's in public, especially Mm -hmm. when you're like, I'm gonna be raw in front of all of these people. Mm -hmm. So what I wanted to do was not necessarily talk about your story, but use your expertise to answer some questions that people would have if they had an opportunity to ask a therapist a question. Some people have therapists. You know what? I do have a question that I want to ask you that I didn't ask you beforehand. My therapist has missed multiple appointments without prior notice. I'm upset and no longer feel comfortable seeing him. How do I express this respectfully? Good question. So, What I think is that it's important to know that the client-therapist relationship is a relationship just like any other relationship. Mm -hmm. And so what I mean by that, we always say it takes communication to make any relationship work. Mm -hmm. It's no different with your therapist, right? So I think that that person should be communicating their concerns to their therapist. They should be saying to their therapist, hey, this thing happened or this thing is happening in our relationship 
and I don't like it. I want to talk about it. And I always tell clients, you know, don't be afraid to go back and revisit something that already happened. Mm-hmm. A lot of times we think, oh man, I missed that moment I where, I, I, where I can say something and yeah. I have to move forward. No, don't be afraid to process it on your own and go back to the person and say, hey, this thing happened. This thing has been happening and I need to talk about it. You've been missing appointments. You've been canceling on me at the last minute. It makes me uncomfortable. It's bringing up feelings of possibly abandonment or hurt or whatever it is. And I don't like it. And if you truly feel like you need to end the relationship, then you can let your therapist know this is going to be my last appointment with you, or this is how I'm going to move forward. I'm going to terminate our relationship because this isn't working for me. Because the reality is that there's no reason why you're holding on to a relationship with a therapist if it doesn't serve you. Mm. So it's okay to end that relationship. All right. So here's my thing with that. Mm -hmm. What I'm hearing you say is you can speak to your therapist. You can 100% speak to your therapist. Because what it's kind of sounding like is this is an area where I don't feel comfortable talking. So what does that say about the overall relationship? That's right. In your relationship with your therapist, I encourage my clients to use this as your place where you're speaking up. Because as I say to my clients, things are going to happen in our relationship that aren't going to always be comfortable. Mm. That's the reality of therapy. In both ways. In both ways, yeah. right? There are going to be times where we are laughing and joking in sessions, and there are going to be times where I'm telling you things that you don't want to hear. Yeah. Or I'm asking you questions that you don't want to answer. Yeah. And I always say to my clients, it's okay to say to me, I'm not ready to answer that. Mm. I'm not ready to go there. Yeah. Because not only is it your truth, but it's also you practicing how to speak up and how to use your voice and mm. how to have boundaries. Mm. Right? And so, yeah. In your relationship with your therapist, you have to speak up. Speak up. That's, Mm -hmm. I am of that philosophy. I feel like there are certain things that I might not say outside of therapy, Mm -hmm. but when I go there, I just want to go there. Absolutely. That's where Mm -hmm. I go and I'm like, I'm just going to let you know this is going to be a little Mm -hmm. weird or Mm -hmm. whatever. And what I appreciate about my therapist is she will say, all right, Nola, I hear what you're saying, but I think you can do better than that. I'm going to push you. That's right. And she'll say stuff like, is it okay if I push you a little bit? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I'll be like, go for it. That's why I'm Mm -hmm. here. Like we're really hard in therapy, not in a bad way, but if it has to get hard, if it has to get tough, we're cool with it. But that's just me. Mm-hmm. I am super open to accepting the challenges because I pay out of pocket. <laughs> mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. I pay my money and I want my money's worth. Okay. Absolutely. So funny enough, I used to have a client that used to call me her pusher. So when you say that, it made me think of that. She'd be like, you're always pushing me. And she'd be like, you're my pusher. So yes. I love <laughs> it. I, and, and you want to be pushed, right? Mm-hmm. You, you want to evolve. That's the whole point of showing up to therapy. So Absolutely. Next question for you. I can't afford therapy, but I'm sad most of the time and I know I need help. What can I do to feel better? Okay. So a few things. Um, first thing I would say is I think it's important to consider therapy an investment in yourself. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of people say that they can't afford therapy. Mm-hmm. And for some people that might be true, but I think a lot of people don't 100% see the value in spending money on therapy. Mm-hmm. Therapy, I say, is the gym for your mind, right? Mm-hmm. Because we all know that we have to go to the gym. I think the world is aware of that now. We have to mm-hmm. exercise. We have to take care of our bodies. Mm-hmm. I think that people aren't seeing the value in exercise. I mean, I'm sorry, in 
therapy mm -hmm. because you can't physically see it, right? It's right. something that's happening right. up here. Right. But that's and something... And sometimes the process takes a while. And sometimes the process yeah. takes a while. And so I think that people don't always think it's a worthy investment, but it is an investment in yourself that I think is worthwhile. And I think the people that are doing it yourself, you just mentioned that you pay out of pocket. Mm -hmm. So I'm sure for you to be spending the money that you work very hard on, you see the the, work, the value of that, right? Yeah. And so I think that's number one. Number two, also, a lot of therapists, including myself at my practice, North Node Therapy, we accept insurance. Mm -hmm. And a lot of therapists now accept insurance. So if you don't have it in your budget to pay out of pocket, contact your insurance company, find a therapist in your network that accepts mm -hmm. your insurance or call the therapist that you're interested in and ask them, hey, do you accept my insurance? And see if you can find a therapist that you want to work with that takes your insurance. Yeah. If that doesn't work, the other thing that I would say is um, there are therapists, again, like my practice, that we offer a sliding scale fee. And so that means that we are willing to lower our fee to meet your budget so that you can get therapy at a price that's realistic for you. Okay. There are therapists that offer that as well. So I would say that that person should explore that. And is that based on income? That is based on your okay. income. So if none of those options work, the other thing that I would suggest is just looking at your lifestyle overall and looking at a few areas of your life, and I'll mention what they are, and just seeing what can you tweak, what can you work mm -hmm. on to improve the quality of your life. So for example, um, I always encourage that people look at their diet, exercise, sleep, if you're an adult person, sex, hobbies, and meaningful relationships. Always assess those six areas of your life because all of those areas of your life can improve your mood. Um, any one of those areas of your life, if you're working on them, if you're improving them, it can help to increase your serotonin levels, which is what um, we need to work on anyway to keep our mood up. Mm -hmm. So, um, for example, if we look at um, exercise, mm -hmm. exercise is what they call a natural antidepressant. Right. And so we should be up, we should be moving our bodies every day. We should be exercising four or five times a week. And if you are doing that, you might notice a boost in your mood. Mm -hmm. um, your diet. If you should have a well-balanced nutritional diet. Mm -hmm. And what I mean by that is, of course, make sure you're getting in your fruits, your vegetables, mm -hmm. you know, the balance, low-carb, yeah. um, high-protein vegetables, mm -hmm. making sure you're getting in your omega-3 fatty acids, your magnesium, your calcium, your zinc, your... Um, multivitamin. Yeah, I think the minerals part is a huge part of this. Absolutely. As well. Exactly. Yeah. So I think that what we all need to know is our brain. We need to take care of our brain. And if our brain is not functioning well, we are not going to be functioning well. Mm. And so when we exercise, we're taking care of our brain. When we diet properly, and I don't mean diet as in diet to lose weight. I just right. mean monitoring what Absolutely. we eat and nourishing our bodies. That is going to affect our brain. Thank you for clearing that yes. up. Because the word diet has a we connotation. Always, exactly. Yeah. Yep. Um, sleep, getting adequate rest. As adults, we need eight hours rest. Some people will say they need six. Some people say seven. Whatever your number is, hmm. knowing it and making sure that you're getting adequate rest to rest your body, that's mm -hmm. important. Um, sex. Mm -hmm. Sex is important for adult people, right? Mm -hmm. And it should be that you're having sex in a way that serves you, that mm -hmm. feels right to you, where you're mm -hmm. having this close connection. 
That also releases mm. serotonins and so other... So that eliminates promiscuity with random strangers? Is that what, yeah. what I'm hearing? Okay. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, and you have to assess yourself and know yourself. If you're having random sex with strangers, are you getting those same, um, you know, hormones released as when you're having sex in a way that feels good to you? Mm. Everyone has to know themselves, right? That's so um, deep. Exactly. Um, hobbies. Mm -hmm having things that you enjoy doing you know this is a dying thing it's a dying thing let's honestly it's a dying thing mm -hmm. because what i'm seeing is a lot of people i want to say most i don't like to use the word most and little and stuff like that but i want to say most people get up they go to work they come home go to work mm -hmm. come home mm -hmm. and that's it Yes. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. the things that we were doing when maybe we were younger, when we were kids, mm -hmm. I think we lost value in that as well, right? Mm -hmm. I agree with you. And I'm going to say the phone has replaced a lot of it. Listen. <laughs> Screen time has replaced a lot of our hobbies. That's what's in my head as I'm saying this, mm -hmm. but I'm not saying it because... I'm one of those people. I think we're all guilty yeah. of it. We all have a smartphone. We're all able to do so much from these phones. And I think that we don't realize that it consumes a lot of our free time. So a lot of times people say, I don't have the time. But the reality is if you put away from the phone, you realize that you have so much time. You know what? I'm going to read you a text that I sent my girlfriend yesterday morning. I <laughs> swear to you. Um, this is yesterday at okay i was telling her that i spent so much time on ig this morning that i i spent so much time on ig now it's time for work and i haven't eaten mm -hmm. that's literally mm -hmm. what i sent her yesterday mm -hmm. yeah yeah. Social media, especially just consumes a lot of our time. And I think, you know, as a businesswoman, sometimes it's work, yeah. right? To be it on IG. Is. Right. Exactly. But for a lot of people, it's just surfing, surfing, surfing. And I think that we have to discipline ourselves and say, this is how much screen time I'm going to allow myself mm -hmm. for just leisure stuff. Mm -hmm. And then I'm going to put the phone down and I'm going to focus on some other areas of my life. Plants. Those are hobbies. You know, getting up and doing something physical, whether it's by yourself or with someone else, you know, those are hobbies that stimulate the mind, brings us pleasure, bring, brings us joy and can improve your mood. So outside of the fact that phones are soaking up <laughs> your hobbies and your time, there's also a connection here with depression that, that's going back to this person saying, I feel sad a lot. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. the phone and social media plays a great role in that as well. I literally just made a YouTube video about that mm. social media and your mental health. Mm -hmm. Yes. First of all, it's keeping us sedentary mm -hmm. a lot of times mm -hmm. sitting down on the phone, laying down yeah. on the phone. And then also the content that we're consuming. A lot of times people are looking at social media and we're watching people live their best lives. Yes. And then we're saying, I don't take vacations like that. <laughs> When my guy proposed, he didn't propose like that. <laughs> Damn, she going on them dates. I can't even get a text back. You know, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yes. So while we're on social media, we're not just getting wonderful ideas, which also happens, right? I'm not saying that I think social media is a bad thing. I think that you have to monitor 
how the content that you're consuming is impacting you personally and figure out like, you know, what pages should you mute or unfollow? That's me guys. Absolutely. I monitor my timeline like a hawk. Mm -hmm. I I don't play around with anything that makes me feel some type of way. I want to laugh. I, and you know what? I also don't follow a lot of big accounts. I don't follow mm-hmm. big accounts. Mm-hmm. And this is a whole different topic, but really quickly, the bigger, bigger accounts that do not engage with you, mm-hmm. I feel like they soak up your timeline and then you stop seeing you the people who back. are valuable yeah. to you. Like I don't see mm-hmm. my friends, so I don't follow them. But I do mm-hmm. save their posts in a folder. Right. Mm-hmm. And I can I can go in and, and reference it if you need to. Yeah. It's a good idea. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because I don't see my people. I'm right. Like, and that's the reason why when we first started social media, at least for me, it was Facebook. And it was only the people that I knew. Yeah. Right? And it was it was good. And it kept me feeling like, oh, I know what's going on in this person's life. Yeah. And they know what's going on in mine. Now, you're right. We tend to follow a lot of large accounts. And um, it's it's just that personal feel. Yeah. So, and yeah. we're looking at people who have 300,000 followers and they're being paid to fool you. <laughs> <laughs> So uh, our next question, can depression run in families? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, Genetically? Depression can be genetic. It can also be learned. Right? A lot of times if you think about it, like, or... I think about it. I'm a therapist. And so (laughs) I'm going to need you to unpack that learn part. I'm waiting. Go ahead. Um, What we will hear or what I hear as a therapist is that this person comes in, they're struggling with depression. And when we look at their family dynamics, their parents struggle with depression. And a lot of times that parents' parents struggle with depression. And so when I say it's learned, meaning that they saw their parents cope by not getting out of bed all day, by being irritable, by, you know, just not functioning well. Mm -hmm. And they picked up those same behaviors. Mm -hmm. A lot of times you'll see a little child with anxiety. There's a parent with anxiety. No, I feel that. You know, I feel that. So yeah, yeah, some of it is learned and some of it is genetic. So I have this person who I talk to periodically and every time we get on the phone, what's up with you? Oh, well, Gosh, I'm so tired. And there's nothing wrong with that. It's habitual. But it's only that that mm-hmm. I hear. Mm-hmm. And, I and wanna... it's a, I'm triggered by it. Mm-hmm. And I want to say that some of that behavior, and I'm just going to refer to it as a behavior, is habitual. I want to, I don't know if this person, what their culture is, but I want to say for our culture, I know when, one of the things that I was taught as a child was um, when you have good things going, you don't share it with people. Wow. And so... Thinking about that, then what are we talking to each other about? Jamaican, right? And I was taught when you have a good thing going, you keep that to yourself because you don't want anybody to wish it. Ruin it. it. Right, exactly. (gasps) So then what happens? I could only get on the phone and complain with you because I can't talk about the good things, right? Because I'm afraid we ruin it, right? So think about that, right? Culturally, what we've been taught. If we've been taught to keep all of our good things a secret, then all we could talk about is drama. Okay, guys, I just need a second. <laughs> I know you can't see it, but my brain just exploded because even I remember whenever we, a person would get a visa, nobody can know you have a visa. When you reach, you will tell them, right? That's what they <laughs> Nobody tell nobody. That's right. You can't, <laughs> nobody can know. You just hear that this person is in New York and you're like, 
Oh, we, we get it. We, mm -hmm. we, we know that you had to keep it a secret, but it trickled down into other areas. And this is absolutely, I'm right. Guyanese, mm -hmm. this is our Caribbean culture. Caribbean culture. So this is what, just going back to my <sighs> practice, when I say that we provide culturally competent care, mm -hmm. this is it. Because we understand that. We understand that we had to learn to keep certain things private and that was passed down. And really we have to think, do we still need to do that? Well, you know, it depends. Right, but we understand where that comes from because we've been taught that. Gosh, <laughs> that makes me sad. Yeah, my therapist would be like, "What are you feeling right now?" <laughs> I'm sad. <laughs> so I want to throw a question in there that's mm -hmm. not a part of uh, the audience's questions, and I'm throwing it in now because it's super relevant mm -hmm. to this cultural thing. Mm -hmm. I've been going back and forth uh, in a conversation with someone and I'm bringing it up because I was upset about it. Mm -hmm. A girl posted a video on TikTok saying, I was talking to my therapist. I love her. Um, she has three kids. They're from New Orleans. And she's like, oh, and that's exactly the problem. Why do I know about your kids? I don't want to know about your life. And the narrative that I see in the comments and is spreading to other posts is black women therapists are not effective. And that made me upset mm. because the person who was relaying this message to me was basically saying people should be open to talking with different races, different, like if mm. it's a man and he's white and you're mm -hmm. a black woman, mm -hmm. why not? I agree that a good message can come from anywhere. Mm -hmm. However, I do also agree that if I have something going on, it's a possibility what you just said mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. about the cultural thing with the Caribbean people mm -hmm. not sharing anything mm -hmm. good. Mm -hmm. It's a possibility that someone from a different demo wouldn't demographic wouldn't understand Absolutely. or isn't even familiar. That's a possibility. Yes. Mm -hmm. Now, I'm not against seeing a, a therapist mm -hmm. who's different from you, mm -hmm. but... I was triggered by that narrative that people keep mentioning black women. I'm like, that's not true. All of my therapists have been, my current mm -hmm. is not a black woman, mm -hmm. but they've all been. And I didn't have that experience where they're talking about themselves a lot or mm -hmm. inappropriate stuff is happening. Right. So how do you feel about that? So my rule is that I don't self-disclose in therapy unless I find it relevant to you. Absolutely. And helpful to you in the mm -hmm. session. So I am not just sitting there talking about my family all day. <laughs> but as a married woman, if I'm working with a couple or another married person, I might find it relevant to mention that I'm married too yeah. and that this is a normal experience. I've experienced this in my own yeah. marriage. Or as a, when I've done a lot of parenting work in my earlier years in the field and I felt it relevant to share with the parents that I was working with that I'm a mom too. I think especially I'm the mother of teenagers. Mm -hmm. I think people always think that teenagers are the most you know challenging people to raise, right? Yeah. And so I feel like it was valuable or has been valuable to share with clients. I am the mom of two teenagers, mm -hmm. a boy and a girl. And so I can relate to some of the things that you are going through. And I and, think that's important. And I think that that is important. But do I go on and on and on about my family? No. And I can also share that I have been, I, you know, I'm a therapist that has a therapist and my therapist has done self-disclosure and it's been relevant and it's been helpful. And actually sometimes I find even brings about a sense of, Oh, wow. They're going through that too. Woo. 
So this is normal. Right. You know what I mean? It brings Absolutely. a lot of self, a sense so. of normalcy. And I think almost makes us take some judgment off of ourselves. Yeah. Because a lot of times when we are going through things, I feel like we feel like I'm the only person that's experiencing this. Yeah. I know I am. Or there's something about you that's causing you to go through this when really it's a human thing. Exactly. Yeah. And so I think that that's the benefits of self-disclosure. I think that's the benefits of group therapy. Mm -hmm. When you're hearing that other people are going through the same mm -hmm. thing, I think we judge ourselves less harshly. Mm -hmm. so. I love that. Okay, mm -hmm. guys. So our next question. I've been seeing the same therapist since high school. I will be 40 this year. I feel anxious when I don't speak to her for a while. Does this mean therapy isn't working for me? I would question if it means that you have developed a sense of dependence on your therapist. Um, not necessarily that it's not working. I would also, um, most of the time in therapy, we are gaining tools to manage our anxiety. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so I would assume that your therapist has taught you some tools. And so the questions for me would be, are they using these tools outside of therapy? Are, old, are they only applying and using these tools while they're sitting in session with their therapist? Mm -hmm. Right? Um, so for example, you know, I'll sit with a client and I will do breathing exercises or meditation and some clients, you know, I'll follow up with them. Hey, did you do those exercises? No, it's hard to do it outside a session. You know, I can't talk myself through a breathing exercise and do it, which I, you know, I can see how that makes sense. And so what I've learned to do, um, that's what made me start my YouTube channel, right? I've recorded some of the exercises that I do with clients mm -hmm. and put it on YouTube so my clients can now reference it and say, okay, I can use this um, tool. And when I'm feeling anxious, let me do this thing. And now this video is walking me through it. And also they're hearing my voice, which is a familiar voice. So it feels okay and comforting to them and they can do that. So it's not that they're dependent or lost and don't know what to do. Um, and so I would want to know if that person is utilizing the tools that they're learning outside of um, therapy. That's a great question. Mm -hmm. Man, I wish we could ask you right now. <laughs> Alrighty. So uh, next question. Can any two people make a relationship work if they're willing to do it? I think so. I think that any two people can make a relationship work. Keyword can. Will any two <laughs> It's a whole other story. Right. Will any two people make a relationship work? I think that's up to them to decide, right? Mm -hmm. I think the reality is we all know, we've all heard, relationships are work. work. There you go. And so are these two people willing to do the work? Do they find each other worth it? That's the question. Am I willing to change and grow for you? Are you willing to change and grow for me? Are we communicating and connecting in a way that's helping us to change and grow in a way that complements each other? Right? Because um, again, if we're talking about like long-term relationships, we're talking about spending lifetime with someone, 20, 30, 40 years. I am going to grow and change a lot in that time. And so if we're vibing and bonding and connecting each day, it's like I'm learning and I'm growing with you. You're learning and you're growing with me. This is happening simultaneously. We're doing the work. We're having these conversations. This I don't like. This you don't like. Okay, I'm going to try not to do this. Okay, I'm going to try not to do this. Okay, I'm going to try to do more For of this. For 40 years. <laughs> right? But that's what it is. Yeah. Right? Then yeah, it can work. But if I'm just going to be 
firm on Fixed. this is who I am because that's what we like to say when we don't want to change. Yeah. That's just the way I am. You have to accept me. Right. Yeah. Then no, it's not going to work. Yeah. So I think any two people can make the relationship work if they are willing to do the work. Okay. I like that you mentioned the part about people changing because I have heard in my 20s, even younger, um, women saying, you have to stay this way because you don't want your man to ever say, you're not the same. And I'm not supposed to be the same. I was going with that, <laughs> right? And in my 30s, it clicked. And I was like, hold on. You can't stay the same. If I am the same at 20 that I was at 30, something's wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Something Sex. is wrong. Seriously. Right? If I am the same at 30 that I am at 40, something is wrong. Mm. Where is my growth and my development? What have I learned? Because they say that literally, whether we know it or not, we learn something new every single every moment. day. Right? Yeah. And multiple times per day. Yeah. So where am I applying that knowledge to my life that I'm still the same? Yeah. It wouldn't make sense. I think it's scary for people to look at somebody else and say, you know what? You have acquired a set of uh, Skills, information or whatever, mm -hmm. and I feel like you're outgrowing me. Right. Or mm -hmm. we're not compatible, mm -hmm. and am I insecure, or do I feel this fear that you're probably... I think that's a part of it. Mm -hmm. You know, people you. want you to stay the same. Mm -hmm. And it dawned on me one day, I was like, hold on, we're not supposed to stay the same, but it's constantly choosing that person even when they change mm -hmm. it's exhausting y'all mm -hmm. uh -huh. but <laughs> it's exhausting yeah. mm -hmm. but it's a choice that you make it's a choice that you make and if someone if somebody is growing for the better what's the problem unless you're not <laughs> right i'm gonna have to whisper that one okay uh our last question is what is the most common issue that women you work with? Ha I forgot about this question, man. Hold on. Okay. What is the most common issue that women you work with have when it comes to connecting with the right partner? Ooh. I would say that the most common issue that I hear is communication. And the communication trickles over to intimacy. Guilty. <laughs> And I want to say that a lot of times when we use the word intimacy, people tend to think of sex. sex. Yeah. And it's not just sex. Yeah. Intimacy is that closeness, that connection, Absolutely. right? Like right now there's yeah. a level of intimacy Here, between yeah. us as yeah. we share, right? Mm -hmm. And so I think that that's what happens. Couples tend to, at some point, have this communication issue. It's the most common thing. And I think for women, we develop that intimacy through our communication. I feel closer to you as you are getting more vulnerable with me and sharing with me and opening up to me. And if your partner is not doing that, we tend to feel this sense of disconnect. Mm. And then um, somehow that plays over into sex because there's this disconnect so now i can't be open and vulnerable with you in the bedroom that's wild and so i think that you know and then that's where men notice it right, right. <laughs> so i think that that's the thing that i noticed the most is that there's a communication issue it um then trickles over into their level of intimacy and both um emotional intimacy and physical intimacy Okay, so I'm definitely one of those people. You know what? When people are like, what's your love language? I don't feel like I have a love language. Mm -hmm. There's so many things. I'm like, all of them? 
you know? Right, which is my answer too. I'm just like, all of them, yeah. give me all. I do think that some, like if we can put it in an order, right. you know, some people would say, this is my number one, this is right. my number two. But I think most people, we need all of them. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And so for me, I do need words of affirmation. I need to hear things and they need to be clear. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. <laughs> I don't like vagueness. If you're communicating something to me, I'm like, so what is that? But this is just how I'm wired. And I find that my son is the same way. Uh -huh. I'll tell him something and he'll ask a question and I'll chuckle like, okay, uh -huh. he always needs clarity. But uh -huh. I feel like I'm hearing you say that most women are this way. Uh -huh. Yeah, that's that's my observation as a therapist. Mm -hmm. Is that a lot of women are this way? Yeah, absolutely. Oh, guys, this is where I breathe because <laughs> we're about to switch into another segment, and I think this is where I need to pivot and just take a deep breath. Mm -hmm. I'm gonna breathe with you, girl. <laughs> okay, so our SOA Q and A. This is where our producer, Shot of Adrenaline, will ask us a series of questions, introspective, and we have to answer them. Okay. Are you ready? I'm ready. I measure my happiness on a daily basis based on just my reaction to things and I think I shared this with someone recently. A situation came up and I felt this old behavior coming up to process it where I didn't feel like I stepped up enough to take care of something and I was ready to go in on myself. And I'm like, girl, are you, look at how much you've been doing. Mm -hmm. You've been doing a lot. Mm -hmm. It makes sense that you weren't able to do it all. Mm -hmm. And in that moment, I was like, so this is the key to happiness, this thing right here. I'm like, oh, so this is it. Mm -hmm. Happiness is not, oh, everybody's being nice to me. Mm -hmm. I feel good. It's really, how am I reacting to things? And in those moments, I'm like, high five, girl. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. Similar to you, I'm going to say it's that self-talk. Mm. When I notice myself having a lot of positive self-talk, affirming myself like you just said giving yourself those high fives i know i'm happy yeah absolutely and when my energy is right like when my energy is it's up and energy I'm, yes, yes absolutely mm -hmm. <laughs> maybe sometimes when i'm excited i can be overly excited and um i know like if i'm in a comfortable space i'm like a toucher and a this and a that and sometimes i have to say Ooh, people don't like that so you know like, <laughs> let me not do that so maybe that one sometimes i can be a little overzealous how do I balance incorporating an unhealed partner into my life? I suggest therapy. <laughs> I have suggested therapy to so many people. And this was even before I started getting therapy. So um, definitely uh, spiritual guidance, um, therapy. And if it's a situation where I feel like hmm, maybe a mentor could assist in this, I always feel like um, if we don't have the answers, it's okay to go to somebody else and have them help you. The <laughs> you see what I'm saying? The worst <laughs> professional advice that I have given someone. Oof. A good one. That is a good one. 
I don't know about, I'll tell you what I do know. I don't know if it's advice, but my earlier years in the field of social work, I was completely anti-medication. Mm. And as I grew in the field and worked with clients myself, I realized sometimes it's needed. And so not that I ever advised anyone against it, but in my heart, when I started in this field, I didn't believe in it. Mm -hmm. But as I got experience and realized, no, even especially I was anti-medication for children that were struggling with ADHD and behavioral mm -hmm. issues. And then I got to working with some of them and I was just like, oh, no, this is actually needed. You know, so that I changed where that's concerned. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Yeah. What is my favorite question to ask a stranger? I don't have one, but I know that usually when I do this podcast and the topic is focused on what the person does, I always ask, why do you do it? I always want to know why people do what they do. I didn't ask you this today because the focus wasn't, you know, but why do you do it? <laughs> <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. Yes, good question. Um, why do I do it if I am gonna answer? I think that I, we all should do what we do and what comes natural to us. And what came naturally to me, I was always that girl that got in trouble for talking too much in class, right? And so it would make sense that I get paid to talk now, right? <laughs> I was also always that friend that I had older friends most of the time. And yet people were coming to me for my advice and my opinion on things, which has never stopped. So it made sense that I'm talkative and that people sought my opinion and my advice. So are you I open am. to doing a podcast? I am very open. Right. Cool. <laughs> my mother. Um, my mom was a homemaker. Well, she passed away when I was 10, so I didn't have her for the full 18 years. But while I did have her, she was a homemaker and she was very, very hands-on and present. And I think that that made me who I am. As far as just having somebody whose whole life was dedicated to making you who you are. And so I would say my mom. Okay, so, we, so this is funny to me. Uh, typically, when we go into this segment, I would tell the other person, this is how we do it. You repeat the question, right? But you you were just doing it anyway. You kept doing it. So I was like, oh, she, she's doing it, right? But it didn't happen on this last question mm -hmm. because you weren't told. Mm -hmm. So the question was, what was the most influential part of your first 18 years? Was yes. that the question? Mm -hmm. Right. So that was the question. Yes. But you were just doing it that gotcha. way anyway. So I was like, <laughs> oh, I guess I don't have to say anything. Mm -hmm. I love it. All right. So our next segment is called Happy Habits. Mm -hmm. And I'm excited to know what is one of your happy habits, something that brings you joy. Um. One of my happy habits is I have a few guided meditation and affirmation videos that mm. I listen to almost daily. Mm. I have transitioned from listening to the radio and listening to a lot of music. Sometimes I just have affirmations flowing in the background mm. and guided meditation. Technically, we should be doing it while we're laying down. Sometimes I do actually take time and meditate. Other times I just have positive things just playing in the background. And I realize that my self-talk has shifted where I'm saying those things about myself now and that it's influenced my self-talk. That's Which so makes me happier. So yeah, I love that. So mm -hmm. let me ask you this. This mm -hmm. is a sidebar. 
what about when you're asleep? Because I I know a lot of people go to sleep and the TV is just going nuts. I don't even do that. Yeah, no, no, no. When, how does that affect you? I think if you're hearing something positive while you're asleep. I think it, I think subconsciously or whatever it is, we are hearing it. Yeah. And I think it is uh shaping our mind. So I would not go to sleep listening to something that was just like a horror movie or something that was just negative. No. And I as I get older, I am very conscious about how much negativity Goes I sit you. and listen yeah, to and, and take in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know what? I this is how I figured out hearing things while you're asleep is a thing. Mm-hmm. I was babysitting my godkids one day and I was exhausted. So I locked the bedroom door. There were like four and five mm-hmm. um, because during like two weeks out of the year, they're the same age. So they're like four and five. Mm-hmm. And I locked the bedroom door. I had them on the bed with me and I'm like, I'm just going to take a nap. And I woke up in love with Olivia the pig. <sighs> I've never heard Uh of Olivia Uh before. Uh I woke up knowing the theme song Uh and certain people know, I was like, if I ever had a daughter, she would be like Olivia the pig because I love this little (laughs) pig's personality. Uh Uh And in that moment, I was like, oh, so Uh when you're, how did Uh I wake up just Uh loving this pig? That's right. That's right. Because we're being programmed and we can hear it even though we're sleeping. So, yeah. So I listen to um, affirmations. Sometimes I just have it lightly playing in the background when I'm sleeping. And somehow it gets in me. Wow. And it programs my mind. I love it. Thank you so much. Mm -hmm. I appreciate your energy. I appreciate what you do. Thank you for what you do. Because that's one of the things I told you when I met. I was like, thank you for doing this because it's needed. And thank you for being here. Thank you so much for having me. I really had a good time. I really want you to talk about your practice and your, are we talking about the journal today? Yeah, we can. Sure. So my practice is North Node Therapy, um, which is a group practice that provides culturally competent care for the black community. Uh, We, I started that practice in 2019. And the reason for that was because I felt like I, a lot of black people wanted therapy, but they felt like they needed a safe space where they can be understood, where they wouldn't feel judged, where they didn't feel like something was just gonna, they were going to say something and it just taken out of context. Mm -hmm. And, you know, so, um, I started my practice for that. Um, since the pandemic, we have transitioned to virtual only. Mm -hmm. And, um, so we are able to reach people all over New York City, absolutely. And so it's been great. Um, there's about um, seven clinicians at the practice. And so um, that's, we're growing and we're all loving what we do. And um, yeah, and that's been great. So that's North Node Therapy. Um, I also have a coaching business, uh, Creating Change Coaching, where I offer one-on-one and group coaching, primarily to women. And that's more like uh, life coaching, where I am helping women um, identify what their dream life is and just go after it without fear. I love it. So that's been good also. And then I have my uh, journal, mm-hmm. which is my therapy and melanin uh, wellness journal. It's um, I'm actually in the process of revising it. I okay. had it. It came out about a year or two ago, and I recently just decided to revise it. Mm-hmm. For people like um, the the person who sent in the question about what are some things that they can do when they're sad if they mm-hmm. can't afford therapy, right? And um, so I put a bunch of tools 
that I would usually use with clients in the session. And I put it all in one box. I love it. And so that clients can work on themselves at home in between sessions. I don't really think that the book is going to, or the journal rather, is going to replace therapy or that it should, Mm -hmm. but people wanted actionable things that they can do in between sessions. And so um, things that are in my guided journal is, um, it starts off with a feelings inventory, Mm -hmm. which is just like a list of words that people can use to describe their feelings. Mm -hmm. Because we all know that sometimes we're feeling this thing and we're just like, I don't know what, I can't articulate it. Well, you can look through the list and it's just like, ah, that's the one. Mm -hmm. And now when you're journaling, you have more vocabulary to express yourself. And when you're going through your day-to-day life, if we have the vocabulary that we need to express ourselves, a lot of us find ourselves acting out less. It's just like children, right? right? That they act out when they can't express themselves. So the book uh, or the journal, I refer to it as both. It starts off with the feelings inventory. It gives you like a coping plan, a personalized coping plan. What do you do if you're feeling overwhelmed and distressed? Um, There are- Y'all need this. I'm I'm getting it. Absolutely. I already told you, I was like, I'm gonna get it. I'm gonna do it for a, a, a month. And I'm going to let you all know uh, how I honestly experienced it. Absolutely. Absolutely. There are gratitude, um, a section for gratitude journaling, um, affirmations, like a personal wellness contract where you're making a commitment to yourself about what you're willing to do. There's so many good stuff in that journal. And so um, when I did come out with it in the past, I got a lot of positive feedback and I decided to take it, perfect it, make it even better and put it back out there. So you're going to get a copy. And I would definitely appreciate your feedback. Um, That's going to be good. I'm always looking for feedback on how I can you know, grow and continue Absolutely. to make things better. Definitely. Um, yeah. And so my website, my website is uh, northnodetherapy.com. That's www.n-o-r-t-h-n-o-d-e therapy.com. Um, I also am on Instagram and TikTok and Facebook, all under North Node Therapy. Um, I was going to share my YouTube channel. I've been um, putting videos out there, just providing little skills and tools that people can use. Um, Therapy and Melanin is my YouTube channel. And that's therapy, the and sign, Melanin. Therapy and Melanin. I just subscribed. Thank you. Yeah, I saw it. I was like, oh, this is cute. I love it. Yes, thank you. I love it. Thank you. Yes. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in to the Nola Row Experience Podcast. Created and hosted by Nola Rowe. Produced by Take Action Media. Theme song by Mr. Manley. Sponsored by The Hills Restaurant, Brooklyn, New York. Listen to us on all podcast platforms and follow us on social media at The Nola Rowe Experience Podcast. Visit the Nola Rowe Experience Podcast.com and connect with us via email at talkwithnola at gmail.com.